So it's such, a, it's such an incredible thing to celebrate communion uh, on a weekly basis. It, it's, it is just life to us. Um, we haven't got very far in the series that we're uh, teaching, um, and uh, we sort of jump forward, jump back, and I, I'm jumping back again today into uh, Mark chapter 4, uh, verses 1 through 20, one of the, another one of the questions that Jesus asks. Uh, and his questions are always designed to disturb us, uh, to move us, and then to comfort us. And, and uh, my hope is that that will be what we experience today. I think Hayden's going to try and share the, the um, slides with you, and we'll get them on here as well. So uh, jumping straight in, Matthew, uh, sorry, Mark chapter 4, uh, verses 1 through 9. And again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. And the crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. And he taught them many things by parables. And, his, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. And some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. And other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. And still other seed fell on the good soil. It came up, it grew, it produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some hundred times. And then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Uh, and I'm pretty sure today we've all got ears. Um, I, can't, I can't see you all, but I'm, everyone, everyone I can see in here has got ears. And, and, and I know that's not what he's literally saying. Anyway, <coughs> it's, just, it's just helping my nervousness decline. <laughs> and then Jesus said, uh, verse, uh, verse 12, uh, verse 9, sorry, uh, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And when he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. And he told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. And then Jesus said to them, and this is the question that we're considering today, don't you understand this parable? Then how will you understand any of the parables? This is, the, this is our question that we're going to hang around with. Don't you understand this parable? How then would you understand any parable? And, and it seems like this was the foundational parable. It was, there's obviously some, some clues, there's some understanding in this parable that's going to help us understand every other parable. And I guess it's helpful to start with what, what is a parable? Um, one of the most, if you've, been, uh, if you've been in church for any length of time, you probably will have heard that a parable is a, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, which is kind of true and kind of not true, because the parables are not just for the future. They're not, they're not for some faraway time and place. But they're also for here, and, it's, and so it's probably a way too simplistic way of thinking about it. I, I, think, I think a parable is a story that requires interpretation, a, a little bit like a dream. And often, often dreams and parables have, have symbols that we, that we can learn. Uh, for example, you know, we know that certain, certain animals, certain uh, symbols, there they are, uh, immediately you see them, you kind of recognize, oh, that, the bear is a symbol of Russia, the eagle. 
is a symbol of the United States. The wallaby is a, is a symbol of, uh, of Australia. And they, they're quite straightforward ones. There's some, there's some much cooler ones, of course. There is, for, for New Zealand, Aotearoa, there is the laser kiwi, which was my favourite pick for the new flag, but we never got it. Um, if you come from the United Kingdom, um, this, their, their one would sort of suggest that there was a time when there was um, prides of lions roaming the, the green hills of, of England, that there were, that there were um, unicorns prancing around in Scotland. And I, for some reason, you're, the, uh, the, I don't think it's come up on the, on the other screen, but the, if you come from Wales, apparently there were hordes of dragons uh, jumping around there as well. So, I mean, there's some, there's, some great, there's some great symbols that kind of... I'm not quite sure how those ones got there, but th anyway... Those who are from the United Kingdom, they might, they might enlighten us at some point. And then there's also there's just brands, you know. There's, for example, there's, you immediately see that brand and you kind of go, that's, that's Rip Curl or uh, that's uh, Apple, Apple Mac or it's this, the Nike Swoosh. And, um, and in this parable, there's also some symbols that, that you kind of you notice in this parable and then you're going to see them in a lot of other parables as well. So in this, in this parable... There are, these, there are these symbols. There is the, there's the soil. There's the seed. There's, uh, there's, there's the fruit of the crop. And there's also the, the antagonists, the, the birds and the sun and the weeds. And this parable, the parable of the sower, is a, it's an interesting parable. I think it's the only parable that's recorded in, in all three of the Synoptic Gospels, in Ma um, Matthew 13 as well in uh, Luke 8, as well as the one here in Mark 4. And it's probably better known as the parable of the soils uh, or the parable of the seeds rather than the sower. It's interesting, the sower, just the, 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 the farmer just appears right at the beginning of it and there's no other focus on it. And perhaps initially it's because the, the farmer, the sower, is Jesus, and, and then he passes the task of sowing on to all of us. And it seems like in this parable, there, this, 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 you know, one of, the, one of the majestic things about Jesus' parables is that as they speak to us on multiple levels. Um, so, so almost all of Jesus' parables that are recorded in the Gospels are kingdom parables. And, and, they're, and they're speaking of a people being gathered back from exile, uh, and then a new family being formed through Jesus. And here the picture is, is, is God re-sowing the earth with good seed uh, and, and generously sowing. And some are going to respond and some are, some are going to instantly respond and fall away. And, and, and then there'll be others who, who will uh, wait until the end and then there'll be this, this incredible in-gathering. If you, if you read on in, in Mark's, uh, Mark chapter 4, there's other, there's other kingdom parables that he immediately follows this up with. So there's that, there's that kind of the, the overall picture of this is a picture of what God's doing in, in time. That he's, he's sowing a family. And, and, there's, and there's a period of waiting, and then there's, a, then there's also this time of great harvest when, when, when he gathers us all up. And, and then there's personal perspectives. With every one of his parables, one of the most important questions we can ask ourselves is, who am I in this parable? What symbol am I? Where, you know, where do I figure in this parable? Because this is going to speak to me. I know it. And then the third perspective, I guess, often is, is the third-person perspective. And, and I think in the, the third-person perspective in this particular parable asks us to pause and ponder, how is it that the devil can take away the seed that's sown? How, how can he, being represented by the birds, 
How can he take away the seed before someone can even allow it to germinate? And again, I, I think it's really important to look at the role of, of Satan um, before we jump into the parable whole, but this is just kind of a, just a little extra um, before we jump into it. Um, I, I want to read you something from, uh, oh, I haven't quite got there yet, um, from John Mark Comer's uh, book. And he says this, he says, It's easy for us to fall into the trap that C.S. Lewis calls chronological snobbery. The idea that we're smarter than the people who came before us and that new ideas are obviously better than old ideas. And we add to that what, what sociologists call the myth of progress, that we're heading towards more utopian days where we will no longer be held back by the shackles of religion and superstition and embrace our destiny as enlightened individualists, finally free to live our lives. And it's really interesting, in, in Mark's Gospel, how often he talks about the authority that is given to us. He says, I give you authority to preach or to proclaim the gospel, uh, to cast out demons, and to heal the sick. And, and for us, it's a funny thing. You know, this, you know, again, those who have been in church for, for any length of time, you will have noticed there's been times when there's, there's lots of casting out of demons, you know, the, the, the driving out of evil. Uh, and then there's times when it seems to be on the back burner. Uh, there's times when there's lots of healing happening, and then that seems to be on the back burner. Uh, and, and I think in some ways it's, it's not from God's perspective that those things happen. I think it's probably more from our perspective. And I guess one of the wonderings that I, that I had as we begin the, to look at this parable is that, is that we, look at, we look at what Jesus spoke about when he spoke about Satan. And he spoke about him uh, knowing... He spoke about him in a knowing way, that he was this immaterial uh, yet highly intelligent being that he called different places. He called him Satan. He called him the father of lies, murderer from the beginning, uh, and so on. And, and again, that the authority that he gives to us as believers is to, is to drive out Satan, is to drive out the demonic. And so, you know, a good question, even before we jump into the parable, is this. You know, was Jesus just an ignorant first century Jew? Or is this still real? You know, it's not. It's not the point of the parable I'm talking about here. But it's, but it's important for us to ponder that and to kind of go, Jesus, the the Lord of heaven and earth, spoke about this being as being a very real being, an intelligent, destructive being, who who has a, minions known as demons. I, I mean, it's a you know, in some ways, it almost gets to the point where we're kind of we're almost a little bit embarrassed to believe this. But if Jesus believed it. We need to believe it. It's, it's a really important thing for us to, to believe. And, and I know there's extremes when everything can be a demon, there's a demon behind everything. Uh, but, but the other extreme is just as dangerous when we don't realize that there, that there is an intelligent evil force in the world today. So a good question, I guess, to ask ourselves is, is this. How do I feel about that? How do I feel about there being this, this entity? You know, and, and again, remembering Jesus' question, don't you understand this parable, then how will you understand any parable? Okay, and then again, just before we jump into the parable itself, let me, uh, let me take you to uh, those, those uh, few verses between Jesus telling the parable, having this discourse with his disciples, and then explaining the parable to them. In verse 9, Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, be careful how you listen. Uh, you, you know, 
we, we can hear, but we may not perceive, we may not understand. So when he was, when he was alone, the, tw- the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parable. And he said, he told them that the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. And then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? Then how will you understand any parable? And it's, it's really interesting, you know, in, in the crowd, I guess, as he told this parable, there would have been people there, maybe there were scribes and Pharisees there, you know, the people who, who kind of resisted his ministry the whole time he was on earth. Uh, and, and, we're, and we're privileged because there was also the disciples there, the ones that he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reveal to these people the, uh, the, the secrets of the kingdom, and we get to eavesdrop on that conversation. It's an incredibly beautiful thing. But it seems that there's going to be always people who hear and see the scriptures, but fail to hear and perceive. Where he says you'll you'll be seeing and not perceiving. In other words, you know, speaking I guess to the initially to those scribes and Pharisees, you'll be seeing healings, you'll be seeing deliverance, you'll be seeing Satan being cast out. But you won't understand what's behind it. You won't understand the heart of what's going on here. In uh, in James one. Uh, verses 22 to 25, he talks about, you know, don't just, don't just listen to the word, put the word into action. It's, it's faith, it's hearing and doing, it's, it's receiving and putting it into action that actually causes us to grow up. There's a, there's a thing known as, you know, biblical thing known as penal deafness and penal blindness, that the more you hear and don't do, the deafer you become. The more you see and, and don't put into action, the blinder we become. And what Jesus is inviting us to do is he's, is he's inviting us to, if, if you want, to, if we've got ears, turn them on. I, I, I didn't bring my hearing aid today. <laughs> that would have been a beautiful illustration. I could have turned it on and we would have been able to hear. Um, but, but he's wanting to explain the ways of the kingdom to those who, who are listening with ears to hear, who are watching with eyes to see. All right, so let's jump into this, into this uh, parable. Um, Chapter, uh, chapter 4, verses uh, 14 and 15. The farmer sows... Oh, no, that's all good. The farmer sows the word. And some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. And as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. And so this, this hard soil or, or, this, or this path is a place you know, within, a, within a field where people would have taken, would have usually been the shortest way across the field um, because that's what we tend to do. We tend to walk the, the shortest way. But it's with every passing foot that, that part, of the, that part of, the, of the paddock or the, or the field just gets harder and harder and the seed can't penetrate the hardness. And so it's easy for the birds to just come swoop down and eat the seed. And, and again, he, what he's saying is some people are just like that. This, this, they've been trodden down so much. And it may be things that they've done, it may be things that have been done to them, but their heart is so hard that the seed can't even, it can't even germinate. Uh, you know, I, I remember um, I, I, I became a Christian. I, I went forward at a, at a thing, and it was called Jesus 77. And the, and the 70s, there was these big rallies. Uh, they were actually called Crusades, which was a terrible name for them. But, but nonetheless, I, I went forward to, to, at this meeting in Alexandra Park in Auckland and, and um, you know, put my hand up and walked forward and, and, um, and 
began my relationship or renewed my relationship with Jesus at that point. And it was, it was interesting because I, I watched a guy also uh, come forward with me. And then I, when I went back to university the next week, um, I, there, was a couple of, there was a couple of kind of Christian organizations that, that were handing out invitations on campus. And, and one of them was an invitation to this, it was, I think it was called the Christian Club. And for me as a, as a you know, a, a brand new believer, I was kind of like, Christian Club sounds like the place I should probably go on campus. That seems pretty straightforward. The other one was called the Evangelical Union, and it was like, that's, that's a heck of a name. Um, and um, so I, first of all, the first, the first meeting was the Christian Club. And the, the guy that I'd gone forward with in that meeting um, just the week before was there with me. And, and it, it was funny. As soon as I walked into the room, it was like, this feels off. And, and, it, and it turned out that it was actually a cult, that um, it, was a, it was the Watchman, uh, the Witness Lee uh, local church cult. And walked in there and kind of thought, I am in the wrong place. But I watched, I watched the guy that had gone forward with me stay in the room. I, I mean, I was, I was there for five minutes and went, I, I, am, I am politely backing out of this room because it just does not feel good to me. But he stayed there and, and ended up in that cult. Um, you know, a, a, again, a, again, for me, I, um, I, I, was a, I probably was a child, I certainly was a child convert. I loved the Lord as a child and then just absolutely lost my way in my teen years. And I can remember he hearing people sharing the gospel with me, and it was just, it, it wasn't that I was trying to be rude, it was just like, I have no idea what you're talking about. It, ju it just, the seed just bounced off me. My heart was hard. You know, it was, it was, it didn't, it, I didn't go home and ponder it, it was just, it was hard. And it just bounced off. And so I, I was really grateful, you know, and, and probably for lots of us, we could think about times over in the course of our life when our hearts were just like that. There was just nothing penetrated. And that's what Jesus is talking about when he says the farmer sows the word. And some, some people are like seed along the path. With the word sown, and as soon as they hear it, Satan just comes and takes the word away. Unfortunately, there's, there's other places in that paddock that, that the seed can go. There's, in verse 16 and 17, others like seed sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. Because when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. And again, the picture is, is, is a little bit of soil sitting on top of a rock shelf. It's not, it's not lots of stones in the ground, but it's, but it's a seed falling on what looks like good soil. But underneath it is a rock shelf. So the, the, the seed is actually beautifully set up for germination because the soil's warm. But it never can put its roots down. As soon as the sun comes out, it just... It just wilts in the, in, the, um, in the heat of the sun. And it, and it speaks about this thing of someone who, who receives the word, but at the first sign of trouble, at the first, at the first sign of, I, I think the, the, the Greek word used in here is, is, is uh, scandalon, I think it might be. I, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong or, or probably using the wrong, the wrong uh, part of speech. But, it's, but, it's, but it refers to someone who, who feels offended you know, so they're embarrassed about the cross. It's like, oh, I believe this, but I'm actually a bit embarrassed about this, and so you know, I'd rather not continue on. And it's talking about this, this thing of, you know, some people just receive it, and then the moment that anyone pushes back against that and says, surely you don't believe that nonsense, you know, that's 2,000-year-old nonsense. You know, we live in a very secular society, and there's, and there's a lot of pressure put on people that, that choose to follow Jesus, 
And, and there's a lot of this kind of almost scandalizing of how ridiculous in this day, you know, in this day and age, in these modern times, how on earth could someone believe such a primitive form of belief? And some people fall away under that kind of pressure. You know, I know as a, as a pastor over the years, uh, you know, often we'd see people coming to Christ and, and we'd always be wondering, you know, uh, I, I mean, I don't mean in a, in a very active way, but it was, it was always puzzling how some people would move, would move forward and some people at the first sign of trouble would, would give it up and kind of say, I don't want to do this anymore. And then there's other kind of soil. It's like uh, seeds sown among the thorns. They hear the word, but the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. You know, this is speaking of, of thorny ground. You know, the constant curse of, of gardeners is the weeds that strangle plants that we sow so that they never get to the place of actually producing or, come, or becoming fruitful. And it's interesting that it's the, 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 the phrases that Jesus used here are, are echoes back to Genesis. The cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. In Genesis 3.6, we read these words when, when uh, the, the original couple face temptation by Satan. And in, in Genesis 3, verse 6, it says, And when the woman saw the fruit of the tree, the fruit the, there, was, there was two trees in the garden. One was the, one was the tree of life, and one was the, the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And she took that fruit. Uh, and it says, And when she saw the fruit of the, that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took it and ate it. And she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. And again, you know, that's the beginning of the scriptures. And at the end of the scriptures, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, we see the same thing. Don't love the world or anything in the world. If you love the world, love for the Father is not in you. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful people, the lust of their eyes, the boasting about what they have and do, comes not from the Father, but from the world. And the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. And it's really interesting because I think, I think much of modern discipleship stops at this point where, where other things, it's, it's interesting that the, the words that, that Jesus uses are, are really powerful. It's the, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, you know, and if you live in New Zealand, you, you know, the, the vast majority of us are stupendously wealthy on a, on a global scale. And the desire for other things comes in and chokes the word. And it's this, it's this invitation that Jesus is reminding us. He's saying, you know, watch out. Keep pulling, those, keep pulling the weeds out because they will choke out the word and it won't, it won't, it won't be fruitful. <clears throat> you know, it's not so much that, that, that people on, with thorny ground, uh, thorny soil, are, are going to turn away. It's just that it never produces a crop. And then verse 40, I realize I need to push on. Um, verse, verse 20 uh, it says, and others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. And see, the purpose of hearing, uh, receiving the seed of the word of God, is initially it's, it's salvation, and then every time God speaks to us, every time God whispers something to us, as we, as we woke up this morning and we, and we opened, the, you know, opened our Bible app or opened our, opened our Bible and, and began to read, it's always inviting a response. It's always saying, what kind of soil is that going to drop into? Is it going to drop into just, you know, is it going to drop into, into good soil where we, where we lean in and say, and how, how do I walk and step? How do I put my hand into the hand of Jesus and help this, 
help this take place. It's always about partnering with God, and it's always about being fruitful in life. And, you know, and our discipleship plan is always that we just simply learn to say yes to Jesus. It's, you know, you can get really complicated discipleship plans, but, it's, but I don't think it ever gets any more complicated than this. You know, it's just always tilting our hearts towards obedience. You know, we're, we're born with our, heart, with our hearts tilted towards disobedience. It's always easier. One of the first words that children learn is no. Uh, you know, they usually learn no before yes. You know, and our hearts are, are naturally tilted towards disobedience. But the more we receive the word of God and say yes to him, the more our heart becomes tilted to, to obedience. It's, it's a really beautiful thing. Now, what's this parable talking about? Well, he, Jesus explains it. He's, he's talking about the soil of our heart. And, he, and, and he's, asking, he's asking and answering questions around why, why do some people respond to the gospel and, and why do some don't? You know, why do some grow and mature and others just fade away? You know, he's talking about hardness of heart and shallowness of heart and self-indulgence. And it also answers, I think, the question around the generosity of God, just, just throwing seed everywhere. I mean, one of the things, again, as I was preparing this talk this week, it was, I, just, I just kept thinking about it. It just, it just seems so, so crazily wasteful of God just to, to throw the seed everywhere. To, to, you know, and yet that's the nature of the God that we serve. He's reckless in his sharing of the, of the seed. And, and I think what this, what this parable teaches us is, is, is in this parable, you can't do anything about the seed. You can't do anything about the sower. But what we do have some influence over, the only thing that we do have some influence over is the condition of our heart. That, that, we, that we can ensure that it's not hard, that, we, that it gets broken up, that, it's not, that it, doesn't have this, it doesn't have this, you know, tender on the outside, but brick hard on the inside, that, we, that we're constantly breaking it up, that, that we're t constantly pulling out the thorns and weeds, that the, what, what does he describe it as? Loving the world, loving the, you know, or, uh, oh, I, can't, I can't see where I've read it, but the, care, the, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things. Oh my gosh, you know, those are the things, I, I don't know about you, but I wrestle with them on a, on a multiple daily basis. You know, it, it's, it's the things that just cause us to be distracted. And what he's inviting us to do is to lean forward and to say, Lord, I want to cooperate with the receiving of the seed and let it, and let it produce life in me. So, that, so when Jesus asks the question, the, the important thing is this, what's my answer going to be? How do we respond to Jesus' questions here? Do you, do you, do you not understand this parable? Then how will you understand any parable? And, and I guess you know, our response to this parable is, yes, Lord, you know, help, help me. Help me remove the, the hard-heartedness. Help me remove the stoniness in my heart. Help me pull out those, those seeds that, that are just going to get in the way. You know, again, there's, there's, a, um, there's this beautiful, I think this is our last screen, um, in, in Isaiah 55, verse 11. You know, this is the beauty about the word of God. He says, so God says, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And I don't know about you, but I am so grateful that God contends with us. You know, he knows that, he knows that we're rebellious. He knows that we're disobedient. And he just keeps sowing the seed. He just keeps inviting us. He, he, he says, this seed's going to work. 
I'm just going to keep sowing it. I'm going to keep sowing it. I'm going to keep spreading it. You know, it's, it's an incredible thing. And, and this, and this, this. You know, my response. I mean, one of the great things about being the preacher, apart from having to do this, is 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 that you get you get to kind of have this dialogue with God during the week. And, and my dialogue with him has been, Lord, I, I want the seed. I want, I want your word to, to take root in me. I, I've heard it. I've been reading this. I've been reading these seeds for 40 plus years. I, I don't want my heart to get blasé. I don't want my heart just to, you know, just to kind of go yada, yada, yada. I've heard that before. Um, you know, or, or I don't want to come up with some um, excuse of why I wouldn't obey that. You know, how I, well, you don't understand Jesus. I, this is the 21st century. You know, th- things, are, things are a lot more complicated now. You know, I, I don't want to use any of those excuses. I just want to say, yes, Lord, help me, help me tilt my heart to obedience. And then, the, and then the second response that, that I'd invite us into would be this, would be to look for opportunities to sow seed. In Romans 10, verses 13 through 18, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can someone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? And consequently, faith comes by hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. But I asked, did they not hear? And of course they did. The voice, their voice has gone out into all the earth, their words to the end of the earth. And so I've got a, we'll have a few things to kind of work on during the week with the reflections um, uh, tomorrow. But, and I'd encourage us at some point during the week just to, to talk about those things and, and wrestle through with them. I, I know I've kind of, I've given us a lot today. But I, I wonder if there's something in here for us right now before we finish this Zoom call, before we finish gathering here. And I want to pray for us, and, and then if you're on, on, if you're on Zoom, I'd uh, love for you to go into one of those prayer rooms, and, and you know, there's, there's always something to pray about. And, and maybe, maybe, you know, the, maybe God might show us something about an area in our heart, and we just, you know, often it's really good to just say to our friends, you know, and our, and our fellow church members, would you pray for me about that? Because I, I recognize, I've got a, I, I recognize resistance. You know, I, I recognize, you know, I, I'm a bit touchy about that. You know, I, I, I need help. You know, I, I, I feel like I've been around this mountain a lot of times and I'm just, I'm in the same place wrestling with the same act of obedience or disobedience. And, and, and it's just a great opportunity for us to receive prayer. So, so would you pray with me and then we'll, then we'll go into prayer rooms. So Holy Spirit, we thank you for this parable, which is the parable to interpret all parables. We thank you for the power of the seed. I, I thank you that within a seed, there is everything needed to create the full, fruitful expression of what that seed came from. And Lord, I thank you that when Jesus plants a seed in our hearts, his intention is that it come fully to fruit and that it bears fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. And so, Holy Spirit, we, we long to be fruitful people. Lord, we, we long to be people who, when your word comes into us, our response is, yes, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to believe? What do you want me to practice? Lord, I, I pray that, 
I pray, Lord, that you would... Um, I pray that you would give us also the ability to share, to proclaim the gospel. And Lord, I know not many of us are really gifted as, as evangelists. You know, not many of us kind of have that, that particular spiritual gift. And yet we're all invited to be witnesses. We're all invited to speak about what God's been doing in our lives. And, and so we would pray, maybe even with a little bit of trembling, but we pray that you would set up an opportunity for us this week to proclaim the gospel in our stories and talking about what Jesus has done in my life and in terms of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, of what it means to be out of step with the secular world and in step with a God who loves us with a passion from the beginning of, this, of creation through to the culmination of creation. So Lord, I pray that you would give us opportunities to share and opportunities to give away this life. Thanks, Lord. Um, I was just, as I was saying that, and maybe someone in this room here, someone's got a phone, or um, they could they could bring up the e news. My my phone's my phone's being the camera at the moment, so I I can't look at that. But I, I'd lo just love to read the. I, I know it's, it sounds weird. I just want to read this great thing that that I read and wrote in the e news this week. <laughs> A little bit of pride involved here, maybe. No. <laughs> but I was just thinking it was a great way, just a great, a great way of talking about what it means to live this life. Thank you, Matthew. Ah, <laughs> uh, you're getting it all this week. Woohoo! <clears throat> but Jesus said, "Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow." For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus was and is so aware that life has lots of things that we could worry about and troubles that come at us. But he shows us the way to navigate these things. Seek first the kingdom and live his righteousness. John Wimber, founder of the Vineyard Movement, put it this way. The call of the kingdom isn't just one part of our life. It's all of it. Uh, let me just jump down. Da, 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 da. We've all navigated difficult times together, and yet the great thing is that no restrictions can stop us from living life for the kingdom of God. To love lavishly with God's love directing and fueling us. To serve wherever we can find a need. To pray for someone whenever there is a chance. And to invite the kingdom of God or the presence of God to draw near to that person. To practice extravagant generosity and to care deeply. What a privileged life we get to lead, to be people of the kingdom, sharing in the expanding edge of the kingdom. And I think that's just the, the practicalness, the, the practical response of, of saying, that, that's what it's like to look for opportunities to, be, to, to speak the word of God. You know, sometimes it's just extravagant loves of, it's extravagant acts of love or ways of serving or just telling a story. You know, and, and may, may he give us opportunities this week to do that. May he, may he set those things up for us. Okay. So, Hayden, I'm going to 